So good to see you today. We're in this series on Kill the Spider, and uh, we're looking at the seven deadly sins that have plagued people throughout history, and uh, this has been a helpful series thus far. I hope that you found it beneficial to you in your own walk with the Lord, your own journey with Jesus. If you've missed any of the first few uh, messages, make sure and jump online and check those out. Really, really excited about this one that we're looking at today, and I'd have to be honest with you and tell you that my excitement has had to grow over time because when I first found out this is what I'd be tackling, I was like, what are you even going to say? Because today we're looking at the sin of sloth. Doesn't that just sound weird? Come on, does that hit anybody else weird besides just me? The sin of sloth. I'm like, what does that even mean? What does that do? What does it look like? Let me give you a definition here as we're looking at this sin of sloth. The sin of sloth is the avoidance of physical or spiritual work. So when you think of the animal, the sloth, it's known for being super slow or lazy, right? So as we're looking at this sin of sloth, it's one of the seven deadly sins. We're looking at this series of kill the spiders, the thought of don't just uh, perpetually try and clean the cobwebs. Let's get to the root of the issue and, and destroy that thing that's trying to destroy us. And so it is as we look at the sloth. It's this thought of avoidance of any get after it, go for it work ethic, having some zeal, having some fervor. It's this thought of what it means to be slothful. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I see that clip or I think about the sin of sloth, it's not immediately apparent to me that uh, why laziness would consider to be one of the seven deadly sins. I mean, it almost sounds like a JV sin, right? Almost kind of like, you know, that man's a murderer. She's an adulterer. The guy in the back, he's okay, but he's kind of slothful. You know what I mean? It sounds like it's kind of one of those lesser thans, but uh, anytime you look at the word of God and it's addressing a sin... So clearly, so um, repeatedly, time and again, so many different scriptures on slothfulness or the sin of sloth to where you got to look at it and say, scripture is bringing this to my attention. I would be wise to listen up, to learn from it, to discover why it's so bad, and most importantly, how to slay the sin of sloth. And so I want to look at number one. What does the Bible have to say about sloth? Let's look at it together. Now, as you look through Scripture, you're going to see this word or this, this uh, meaning uh, communicated differently in different ways. You'll see the word sloth. You'll see slothful. You'll see lazy. You'll see slack. You'll see slacker. You'll see sluggard. All of these working together towards this thought of avoiding physical or spiritual work. Let's look at a few scriptures. First, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14. It says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. That's a picture, isn't it? I mean, like a, like a door just turns on its hinges, and, and, and you get the idea, a sluggard just turns on his bed, just Back and forth. Some of you are like, yeah, that's how I sleep at night. Like a hundred times, you know, every minute. I'm like turning back and forth. But that's like a slugger's workout. That, that's as active as he gets, just back and forth. And so we get it. The picture is like as a door turns on his hinges, the slugger, he's not wanting to get out of his bed. He just flips back and forth. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says this. Do not be slothful in zeal, in your passion, in your fire for the things of God. But be fervent in spirit, 
serve the Lord. Uh, Scripture saying, don't be slack, don't be slothful, don't be lazy, don't lack spiritual fervor. Instead, let be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. How many of you understand that as followers of Jesus, we are a people that we are proclaiming and declaring that we have discovered the grace of God? Anybody glad that your sins are forgiven today? Does that make anybody in here smile to know that you have a fresh start and a clean slate? It's the discovery, it's this realization of the fact that God has a plan for us. I'm not just going through life trying to find meaning and purpose on my own. I just chase God and he fulfills me because I fulfill his plan for me. And when we truly grasp that this world is not our home, you can't help but have a little bit of passion, to have a little bit of excitement. Come on, anybody glad you're going to heaven instead of hell? Anybody excited about heaven? You looking forward to it? I know that life gets tough at times here on this earth, but this is not my forever reality. I'm going to spend forever in heaven. And so the word of God is teaching us as someone who's living with this understanding, have some spiritual fervor, have some zeal about you. Don't just have this slow, lazy, apathetic attitude about life. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse nine, it says one who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. You see, sloth is not a passive sin. I mean, it seems lazy, it seems slow, it seems all of these things, but it's saying here in Scripture that it is brother to one who destroys. Sloth is not passive, it is destructive. We'll look at more of that and what it means in just a minute. And listen to how the Word of God continues just to drop the hammer on this sin of sloth. Look at what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not Eat. I thought my dad made that up. I thought my dad was the one who wrote that. Turns out all these years he's been biblical and I didn't even know it. It was scriptural. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. The Bible would not be so clear and so strong if sloth could not do some major damage to your life and mine. So let's answer the second question, number two. That's what the Bible has to say about it. Secondly, why is this sin so destructive? Well, because Satan will use the subtlety of sloth to slowly but surely pull you and me off track from the life that we were created to enjoy. And that's what makes being slothful so awful. Is if the enemy can just get us off track, if he can get us off of assignment, if he can get us off mission, if he can have us chasing stuff that doesn't matter, if he can have us uh, have, have uh, just this apathetic view towards the call of God, the will of God, our relationship with God, if he can cause us to be slow or slack in our job or our work or our relationships, he will rob us of the destiny that God has for us. Listen to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. It tells us the result of slothful, lazy living. It says in Proverbs 10, 4, a slack hand causes, what does it say? Poverty. Now think about that word. A slacker. A lazy work ethic. It leads to poverty. Poverty is a strong word. It's not saying it's a minor setback. 
It's not saying it will slow you down or hold you up. It's not saying that it's going to be an inconvenience. It's not saying that it's going to be a bump in the road. He's saying if you don't slay the sin of slothfulness, and say that 10 times fast if you think you can. If you don't, it's going to destroy you. It's destructive. It will lead you to poverty. You will be left with nothing if you don't kill this spider. You got to be careful. It's not just only spiritual poverty, it's relational poverty. It's not only relational poverty, it's financial poverty. It's virtually every area in your life will be impacted by an attitude of slothfulness. Let's just look at a few of them. One would be laziness in your spiritual growth will lead to a lack of fruit in your spiritual life. Slothfulness, laziness in your spiritual growth will lead to a life that lacks any spiritual fruit. You got to be clear here at this right front. How many of you understand that you cannot work for or earn your salvation, right? Do you understand that? We can't, I can't earn my salvation. How many of you are glad that God did not set it up to where he says, when you've done enough good, you might go to heaven? Come on, how many of you guys are glad that grace is free, that God gives it to us, cheerfully glad, he, he blesses us with it, we just receive it as a free gift from God. You cannot work for your salvation, but scripture is clear, we're supposed to work out our salvation. In other words, we don't work for it, but we work from it. I received the free gift of God's grace, I'm saved. But as someone who's been saved, now for my spiritual growth, God wants me to feed on the rich food that he provides. Yes, it takes work to prioritize prayer, but it's worth it. Is there anybody else you just agree with me when it comes time to pray? You just feel like all of hell is against you, every distraction, every reason why you don't have time to pray or you get distracted when you pray. you got to fight for this. It takes work. If not, you'll have spiritual poverty. Yes, it takes work to study God's word. Yes, it takes work to guard our eyes and our ears. Yes, it takes work to invest in relationships that move us closer to Jesus. Yes, it takes work to build a bridge to the heart of someone who needs to know Jesus. It takes work. We can't slack off. We're not trying to get more points in heaven as if God's going to work a little harder, give him another star. It's not like that. But when it comes to being who God's created you to be and doing what God's created you to do, you will find out and discover that it only happens when you recognize he wants us to live lives that are engaged in his work, not looking for the path of least resistance. There's another way it leads to destruction. Laziness in your marriage leads to a lousy lousy marriage. Now don't shout me down. Act like you don't have a clue what I'm talking about right now, all right? But I'm going to give you something that's for somebody else that you can help with one day when they go through something difficult. I love my wife. She's my best friend. She's the most beautiful woman on planet earth. And I mean that. She is my everything. I'm just here to tell you marriage is work in the best of situations. Great marriages don't just happen. They're the result of a strong, unwavering commitment to work at it, work it out, work for it, fight for it, fight against anything and everything that would try to destroy it. It takes work, but it's worth it. 
Laziness in your marriage leads to lousy marriages. Laziness in your parenting leads to distance in your relationship with your kids. I mean, to be close to our kids, it takes work. I mean, I wish that it were like this, that I was just like, hey, kids, get together. Come circle up. Dad's about to drop some truth bombs in here, all right? I'm about to invest some wisdom. I want you to just come sit down right here. Oh, Dad, hey, hey. Oh, Dad, we've been waiting for this all day long. Just speak, Father, speak. I mean, it'd be awesome if it works like that. Parenting is hard work. I find that when I want to invest, I want to do other things. And I'm fighting for attention. I'm fighting for prayers. I'm fighting for their focus. I'm fighting for, and then I've noticed this. When they do want to talk, it's always inconvenient for me. Always. It's like they're just circling the house. Waiting. He's looking tired. Do you think he's tired? I think he's tired. Let's go. We're moving in. I feel like that's what they do. My daughter, Kelly Gray, she, she, she just, we were just talking the other night, and she asked me a question, and I was like, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a 10 a.m., not a 10 p.m. question right there. Daddy's had a long day. There is an answer. I just can't find it right now. So can we just, I want to invest, but it's just hard work. You know what's easy? Is shouting, screaming, barking. You think it's hard because your blood pressure's up. And you think that you're accomplishing something because you got a lot of volume going on. Stop it! Clean your room. Don't look at me like that. I'm parenting. That's what we feel like we're doing in those moments. We feel like we're parenting, but parenting, effective parenting, God-honoring parenting, parenting that leads to fruit is difficult. Lazy parenting leads to undisciplined children. See, when I'm lazy as a parent, I'm producing kids that are going to be lazy. It's work for me to communicate in a way that they're going to receive it. It's hard work to have patience, to speak with a kind tone, to lead with a gentle spirit. Come on, am I speaking truth right now? This is not easy. My wife sent me a video this morning. I don't even know if she knew what I was, was speaking of. She sent me a video this morning of our little boy who poured his own cereal. The whole box all over the table, all over it. And how many times have I gone in and I've opened a cabinet only to have it come pouring out all over me? Did you make your bed? Yes, I did. They just put everything in the room on the bed and pulled the blanket over it. You know how all of this works. And you want to just, wah! it's hard work to say, no, the goal here is to invest in a way that there's a return, there's a result, there's fruit. Laziness leads to lousy, ineffective parenting. Laziness at your job leads to a lack of performance, a lack of fulfillment, not to mention a horrible witness. I mean, what's interesting for us in our sin nature is how averse we are to work. 
Like she's not in our work is a gift from God, but our sin nature looks for the path of least resistance. We don't want to work hard. And as a result, we're not fulfilled. We're not performing well. Yet, uh, the worst part being that when people look at us, there's nothing about our lives that distinguishes us from others to say, look, as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to work diligently. I'm going to share the credit. I'm going to own the blame. I'm going to be good at what I do. Why? Because I want people to see Jesus in me. Work is very, very spiritual. And that's why Proverbs says that slack hand leads to poverty. And one who is slack is a brother to him who destroys. That's why there are a lot of marriages today that have been destroyed because one or both were slack, lazy, and were not committed to it. Not in all, not in every, but we're just talking in terms of the principle. That's why some jobs are lost, dreams are destroyed because someone chose to slack instead of work hard. Man, because this is a a truly destructive sin, it's a deadly spider. This is the main point. I want to answer this question and make this point, and I believe it's going to help us. And number three is this. How do we slay the sin of sloth? How do we deal with it before it destroys us? The first thing I would suggest is this. Establish priorities. Establish priorities. You will never be motivated by something that you don't value. You've got to determine what's important to you and commit to doing whatever is necessary to achieve it. Do you have priorities in your life? Do you have values in your life? Do you have things that you want to accomplish and achieve? Because when you do, Proverb talks about how the labor's appetite drives him. His hunger compels him to do his work. If it's not something that you want or you desire strongly, you're not willing to get up off the couch and do something about it. But if it's a priority to you, state it, clearly define it, acknowledge it, and then chase after it. If you want a house or a car, it starts with getting a job. Somebody needs to just take that note right there. I'm not going to call anybody out. Somebody like, so that's how that works. That's how it works. If you want a house, you want a car, then it starts with getting a job. And when you get your job, make a note. Show up. Be on time. Do what you were hired to do. I mean, some people are just like, man, I want money. You're like, okay, here's a job. I didn't say I wanted a job. I said I wanted money. Well, your priority of what you want will cause you to act and live with a certain level of energy and hunger today because I'm willing to do what I need to do to get what I want. Your priorities keep you on track. The reason you get to bed at a decent hour is because you have to get up early the next day. That's how it works. This is helping somebody. The reason you get up early is so that you can get to work on time and have energy to do your work and to work hard. The reason you work hard is because you have a goal in mind. It's called a paycheck. And you understand that if I go there and do my job, I'm going to get my check. Priorities. So when I know what I want to do and what I need to do, I'm able to say no to the stuff that would get me off track. 
Some people, have you noticed this? Some people are more committed to making excuses than setting priorities. You ever met anybody like that? They will work triple time to make an excuse for why they didn't do what would have been easier to do in the first place. And they make excuses. We become exceptional at making excuses. Some are even entertaining. I know that you've heard some of these before, but actual like submissions to an insurance company, somebody explaining why they got in the predicament that they were in. One guy submitted and said, I thought my window was down, but I found out it was up when I put my head through it. Somebody wrote and said, to avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front of me, I struck the pedestrian. Here's a good one. I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. One more for you. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. I mean, those... Are there explanations of why they were involved in an accident? Some people are more committed to making excuses than setting priorities. We make excuses about everything, and this is nothing new. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 13 says, The sluggard says, There's a lion outside, or I will be murdered in the streets. Scripture is going, this is as crazy as some of those insurance claim words that they submitted. Like He's saying the reason the slugger, the slacker, the sloth will not get up and go work, he's saying if I go out there, a lion may eat me. You're like, come on, man. Quit making excuses. We make excuses for why we can't get our health under control. I know it's hard work to exercise. I know it takes discipline to make good choices when we're eating. And we just feel like sometimes the devil is just all over it and he throws those Twinkies right in our face. Those Twinkies were calling my name. I didn't want to eat them, but they were calling my name. But I wanted to do the right thing, so I ordered a Diet Coke just to kind of cancel it out. Some would say, I know those things are loaded with sugar. And I love my kids. I don't want my kids getting diabetes. So I ate the whole bag. <laughs> you can slay the sin of sloth by creating priorities rather than making excuses. Not only making priorities, let me give you a second way to slay sloth. Number two is take the right steps in the right direction. Take the right steps in the right direction. Listen, the sum total of your entire life is made up of small daily steps. Keep your long-term win in front of you and take steps in that direction and refuse to allow anything and everything, anyone or everyone that would try and distract you, you've got to move that to the side and take steps in the direction that you need to go to get where you want to be. Listen, here at People's Church, we do everything that we can to help you with your next step. We're always talking about your next step and your walk with God. 
the next step to helping you to be who God's created you to be and to do what God's created you to do. But I get it that it took work for you to get up and come to church today. Come on, how many guys know that on Sunday mornings the devil is fighting like everything to try and keep you, some of you are like, preach now, because that happened today. The toast burned, kids were fighting, nothing fit right, spiritual warfare going on in your hair, everything was going wrong. I know it takes work, but you made it here. You got to God's house today, and God's presence is refreshing you. God's word is encouraging you. Why? Because you did it. We want you to take next steps. I know that it requires work and effort to go through growth track, but the reason we're doing growth track is to help you take a next step to know God, to grow in God, to discover your purpose, and to make a difference. It takes effort to go through it, but it's worth it. Why? Because you want to be. It's a value. It's a priority. You want to be who God has created you to be. You want to do what God's created you to do. I know that it takes work to join a small group. I know that it takes work to invite a friend to a friend's day. You've got to actually watch for the opportunity. You've got to pray for the opportunity. You've got to take advantage of the opportunity. The slugger just wants to stay on the bed and flip back and forth like the door on the hinges. But somebody who's going to do something for God is going to get up, stand up, step out, and do something for Jesus even when it takes work. Be proactive, be potential, be intentional, intentional about it. Some people, they just, they just think like God can, God's going to do everything. I'm just waiting for the Lord to help me. I just, God's going to come through for me. Listen, first thing, God wants you to do what you can do. God specializes in doing what you can never do. But instead of you looking at it thinking, I'll never be able to do this. I can't finish college. I can't get a job. I can't keep a healthy relationship. You do the next step. You do the possible and let God handle the impossible. You can do it. Just take a step. Be smart in the relationships that you have. You want to be wise, Proverbs says, walk with the wise and you'll grow wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Listen, if you don't want to be foolish, quit hanging out with foolish people. If it's a priority that you want to walk in the wisdom and the blessing that comes from it, surround yourself with wisdom. I'm not saying don't love foolish, foolish people. I'm just saying don't listen to them. And if you're looking for a mate, what kind of man or kind of woman that you want to have, you want to be with them, what kind of family do you want? What kind of, and listen, like I'm a dad with five daughters and they're starting to talk about boys a little bit, which really bothers me. I want them to never get married. I'm kind of joking. I'm not joking. I don't want them to ever get married. But if they do, I'm telling them, what kind of guy do you want? And listen, ladies, if his resume is, if his claim to fame is that he got first place in Fortnite video game competition, you need to dig a little deeper. If what he talks about and brags about is his fantasy football league, you need to dig a little deeper. Because there are men of God out there. There are guys who love Jesus and will love you and honor you. See how they love God. See how they take care of their schoolwork. See if they show up to their job. See if they love their mama. See if they serve and honor their dad. See if they serve the church. See if they have a good work ethic. Don't you marry some sloth. Come on, do you agree with that today? Be a... Be a person who's intentional. This is the last thing I'm giving you, and we're going to pray, and it's this. If you want to slay the sin of sloth, be a hard worker. In other words, be 
who you want in relationships. Be who God created you to be in His kingdom's calling. Be a hard worker, Proverbs 14, 23. says, all hard work, somebody say all hard work. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. Quit talking about it and do it. Stick with it. Proverbs 21, 25, the sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Work hard. It's worship and it's worth it. Work hard. When you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. Don't let the devil win. When you don't feel like reading your Bible, read an extra verse that day just to show your flesh who's in charge. When your marriage is struggling, instead of giving up, lean in, work at it. Don't be lazy, don't be casual, don't be passive. Fight for it, fight against anything that would try and destroy it. It's worth it, fight for it. When your job is struggling, don't give up, give it 100%. Give it your all, see it as worship, work for it. Yes, it takes work, that's why they call it work. But don't give up. Some things are worth fighting for. Get up, get after it, chase after it. I want to read this closing Lion Chaser Manifesto by my friend Mark Batterson. He wrote this in his book called Chase the Lion. Talked about chasing things that God has for you, not shrinking back. He says this. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems. Become a part of the solution. Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the main and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges, blaze new trails. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right about God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. Don't say there's a lion out in the street. This is why I can't. This is why I can't. We're so silly with our excuses. Chase that lion. Do what God's created you to do. Don't be a slacker. Don't be a sloth. Live the life that he's intended for you.